Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We're thankful for the Sunday School Department and all that they do, the sacrifices. I know Sister, Sister Matson and her team are just busting it. And oh, Thank you to all you parents bringing your, your children in on Saturdays. and um, We appreciate it. So this morning I want to talk with you, um, and Brother Hickey, I'll give you the title probably near the end of this, um, but in the, in the book of John, chapter 15, I want to read a couple verses of scripture here. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are a clean, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. It has to be connected to something. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now verse 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You got to be connected to the vine to produce fruit. And he has chosen you. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning, I have uh, Pastor Kylie referenced last week. He had a get to message. This morning, I have a got to message. Um, and I hope this message, I. I have been toiling with this since before, uh, actually about the middle of Thanksgiving, or middle of November, right before Thanksgiving, and um, since then, this topic has been broached at least twice from the pulpit, and I believe there's a reason for that. I believe God has a message that he is trying to relay to the church, and it is important that we get it, and uh, if you hear it from three different people, maybe you'll hear it, maybe you'll get it from one of us and be able to run forward with it. And again, I want you to know that this is not a message of condemnation, but I believe that it is a message of conviction. I know it has convicted me, and I hope it convicts you as well. One of the great things about this country, going back to the very birth of this country, is that this has been known as a land of opportunity. What drew people here was the chance to succeed because of the efforts they put in. There wasn't a cap. If you came here and you worked hard, you did things the right way, you could succeed, which wasn't the case in every every country at that time. People came here because they just wanted a chance. And if they got here, they were American. They were part of the fabric of this country. When it comes to the opportunity to achieve things, 
I want to achieve all I can with what God has given me. When you come into this place, you cross a threshold into this place, you have an opportunity to become a Christian. Now your opportunities are not limited to what you can do once you get here. They never should be. We have a program that we recently introduced called the Jonathan Project. We have um, several men that are participating in this. Apples of Gold has been going on for years. Um, And these are programs that are to develop leaders through mentoring, giving them tools and foundations to be leaders. One of the things that we asked, Brother Meyer, when we did the introduction, asked all of us to say, this is my church. My church. Because a major part of this ministry and this program is ownership. It's buying in into the fact that we need you. We need you to feel that this is your church and for you to believe that you can take ownership and you have value here. And you don't need to be part of a program to to feel that. But we want all all of you to feel that way. But I'm going to steal what Brother Meyer had had asked us to do, and I'm going to ask you to say the same thing this morning. Because I think it's important for you to get this and believe it. I want you to repeat this after me. This is my church. This is my church. John chapter 6 and verse 65 says, And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. If you're a guest here this morning, we're so thankful that you're here. And according to this scripture, you're here for a reason. And we believe that God can do something for all of us in this service. So we see that God's called us and we're here. But now what? What are we supposed to do? I don't have many talents that correspond with what the church needs are. I don't, uh, I'm, I don't have enough knowledge to be able to teach or to be able to speak to other people. There's a lot of excuses that we can come up with. And there's a, this has been a problem for churches for years, to be completely honest. And as you know, I'm always going to be an open book and just kind of tell you how I got it and Give it to you through this vessel, which isn't always the most polished, but it is what it is. Helping directing you to find what you are good at and allowing you to create or be a part of something here. It's a struggle for churches. It really is. Um, We have a lot of needs in this church, and we may not have always let you know what they are effectively, and we take responsibility for that. As a, as a pastoral staff. Um, and in other cases, we've put it out there and we've made the call and, and nobody's, nobody's answered the call. So we need to do a better job of communicating and you can do a j- better job of helping us to be able to know what you can do. We want your help. We need your help because you are part of the body. You help us function better. We all work better when we're able to play to our strengths and enjoy what we're doing. But it's not always convenient, is it? Let's talk about convenience. 
We live in times of convenience. We have convenient stores. We have convenient places to get food when it's convenient. We have a lot of conveniences. But if something is not convenient for us, we will most likely not do it. Now, I may be speaking to a lot of people that have no clue what I'm talking about. But I think the majority of you do. In fact, I would guess that about 20% of you this morning completely will understand what I'm saying, and 80% of you will hopefully figure out what I'm saying at the end of this message. See, if we're forced to do something, it's not convenient, so we avoid it. So let me go back, olden days. My daughter hates when I bring this stuff up. Back in my day, when I was your age, I can, her eyes roll through the back of her head, and she goes, oh my gosh, Dad, really? But you're going to get it anyway. So let me give you some examples. I remember when I was little, and it seemed like I grew up at church. Obviously, we were um, starting to work in Oconomowoc, and we were there all the time. And it wasn't just us. I remember a lot of families, the Hickeys, the Myers. We spent so much time at church, it wasn't our second home, it was our primary abode. Um, not only did, again, I go there for church, but during the week we would be there making lolly bears. Now, some of you have no idea what lolly bears are. And I'm going I'm to take you on the way back train. Okay? So lolly bears were suckers. And they were in the shape of a bear. How ironic, huh? But everybody participated. Everybody had a part. In, and we, we would make lolly bears two, two times a week, typically, at minimum. And we had orders to fill. And, and everybody had something that they could do. I believe it was Brother Wickman that made these bears that you could, and he drilled the holes in them so you could put them in there for displays at different stores and made them look all fancy and cute for like quality candy and buddy squirrel and those places. But people would put the time in. See, it was a lot of young families and had more time than money at that point. So it was more convenient to give a couple of hours hanging out with your friends at church making suckers than, you know, trying to dig a little deeper in that wallet. We had more time than money. It wasn't out of the ordinary that you'd go to church twice on Sunday and be back on Tuesday or Wednesday to make suckers and back again Thursday for church and Saturday you may be on the cleanup crew. See, back in that day, we didn't have a, somebody to come in and clean the church. Families volunteered. Or sometimes they were voluntold. It's your week. Here's the vacuum, here's the broom, have at it. And the kids would come in, you know. Luckily, the Lowersdorfs had a lot of them. So that made it go a lot quicker. Right, Tanya? As long as the boys didn't beat each other up while they were doing it. It was just part of it. That was the norm. It wasn't abnormal to, if you, had a, if you had a revival, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you were in church. Spent a lot of time there. And you know what? Some of the greatest memories I have were when I was at church. 
Because at that time, again, that was more convenient. Some of you will remember the art festival. For those of you who have no idea who, what it is, in Oconomowoc every year they have what's called Festival of the Arts. It used to just be the art fest. And the art festival, again, because we didn't have a lot of money, we would do a fundraiser. We had a, a taco stand at Fowler Park. And for at least a week, we would have people in the kitchen at church cooking ground beef, frying tortilla shells, making tacos. I believe still to this day that we were the inventor of the Frito boat. And it was, it was amazing how much fun we had. I mean, kids got involved. We were the gophers. We'd have little red rider, red flyer wagons, and we'd take buckets of ground beef over there and containers of shells and, and everything back and forth. And, and it wasn't work. You know, it was fun. You were hanging out with your friends and, and you were doing whatever you could to pitch in. And it was, again, at that time, it made a lot more sense to do that. But as time went on and our families got a little older, time became more valuable than money. And it was more convenient to give a little extra money than to take the time to work at the Art Fest. So we no longer had a booth at the Art Fest. And we were no longer the church with the taco stand that people love to visit every year. Frankly, because it was no longer convenient, we lost an opportunity to connect with the community. Because it was more convenient to give a little more money than time. If we are completely honest with where we're at today, church is not convenient to many people. I mean, there are so many more things I could be doing on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Now, I understand that things do come up. I, I get that. There are extreme occasions when you may not be able to attend church, but when you are in town, you should be at your home church. Amen? I can at least get one for that. Sunday and Wednesday at the minimum. But this is not something that's new to this generation. But it's sad nonetheless. If you look in the book of Luke, chapter 14, it says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped over verse 19, because the guy bought a, bought a couple of oxen. He had to go prove them, because he couldn't do that tomorrow. Or the next day, he had to do it right then. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men 
which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I know it may not be convenient sometimes. You know, well, I got to get my kids to bed or I've had a long day. We've all been there. I can tell you that back in my day, plenty of us went to sleep on wooden pews or under wooden pews. At least here they've got cushions. You know, that's a positive. And, you know, this is, this is really hitting home for me because I've had experiences. You know, I go to appointments all the time for my job. That's part of my responsibility is I have to go to where people work and, and their place of business. And I hate, I hate being late. It bothers me to no end. If, if I go on an appointment with a fellow coworker, oftentimes I'll tell them I'll meet you there because I do not want you making me late. Because I, can, I believe it gives an impression and you determine what that impression is. But let me give you this example. Very early on when I started doing sales, I had a meeting with a gentleman in Grafton. He had a gas station and um, he wanted to meet uh, fairly early in the morning um, right when he opened, before he got into his day. So I left, and I, I gave it a good, you know, well over an hour to get to Grafton. I did not take into consideration the traffic. So I showed up to this guy's work eight minutes late. And I walked into his shop, and I, I said to him, I said, oh, I am so sorry that I'm late. I'm hoping that we can still take some time. He said, you know, you should have left earlier. I don't have time now. And I left. And it taught me a very valuable lesson. My being late spoke to this man that my time was more valuable than his. And that was a very irritating drive home for me from Grafton. But again, I learned a lesson. Now, it's up to us to learn lessons as we go as well. And I, I have some concern about the convenience of church, the convenience of going to church. Revelations chapter 3, again, this is not new. Revelations 3 and 15 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. How many of you like facts? I love facts. The reason I love facts is because then I can determine from those facts what I perceive is, is going to happen. I believe one of the things that we have a problem with in our society is people don't like to give facts. They like to give opinions. And when you don't have facts, it makes it very hard to find the truth. So I'm going I'm to share some facts with you. But see, it, it's not convenient. I'll be, I'll be really blunt with you. It's not convenient to come to church at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It's not. Um, it's not convenient for our music group to get here at 8 a.m. to sing and practice. Not convenient. I mean, again, there's so much more that can be accomplished. This part is, I'm going to be a little facetious. You know, between 10 and 11.30, at the very minimum, 
how much are you really going to accomplish in an hour and a half? Probably not that much. In reality, if you, even if you start to do something. If you got here at nine, two and a half hours, I'll be done by 11.30, no problem. But two and a half hours a week. Now we sang a song earlier. Thank you, Sister Clark, for the, putting together the worship service today. It's, it's unthinkable what he's done for us. Do you think it was convenient for him? And I already knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens this morning, so I'm perfectly cool with it. I'm mentally prepared. By the way, if you call me after church, my phone will be off. You can take some time to let it simmer. So let me give you some facts. And I know this is not going to be popular. Sunday after Thanksgiving, Brother Messa taught a great message. Brother Messa, excellent job. And I appreciate all of you that are clapping. Here is the bummer of it. There were 27 people here to listen to Brother Messa teach that, that Sunday morning at 9.15. 27 people. You may say, well, you know, it was weekend after Thanksgiving, you know, about 10 a.m., and, and honest to God, this is, it's something that is really, if you're up, if you're up here on the platform on a Sunday morning, um, you'll notice that at about 10 o'clock, the, the church attendance increases pretty, pretty drastically, and by about 20 after 10, that between 10 and 20 after 10 is a really tremendous influx of people. Just, it's the way it is. But I wanted, to, I wanted to see how that compared. So today we had, we had prayer this morning, pre-service prayer. We had 28 people for pre-service prayer. 28 people. Now, mind you, the youth is back, so I know that the youth is back and they're, and they're having their ministry in the morning. But 28 people this morning for pre-service prayer to pray for the presence of God to be in here, to touch visitors, to seek God's face, to seek God's anointing in this service. And you may say, you know, what are you, who are you to scold me? I'm not the one doing this. This is direct from him. So if you've got a problem, take it up with him. I'm just the messenger. And I know I'm not, as, I, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this. And, and the, I can tell you that I sat back there for an hour and a half this morning and prayed about God delivering this through me the way that he wanted it. So it is what it is. We all have talents. We all have abilities. So many of you, if you're a visitor here, I'm going to give you a little background. There's a parable of talents. A master gives three servants talents. He gives one one, he gives another five, and he gives another ten. Then he asks these servants when he returns back what they've done with the money that he's given them, or the talents. The one went and buried it. The one with five doubled it. Number, the one with ten doubled it. The one he was most upset with was the one with one talent that didn't do anything with the talent. We have a room full of talent. There is so much talent in this place. There really is. And you know what the thing is? The thing that makes this the biggest struggle is I don't know what all your talents are. I've had like ten people come up to me asking me what that three by five card is. 
that each of you should have gotten. If you didn't, the ushers will be happy to give you one on your way out. Because what I'd like you to do with that three by five card is write down what your talent is. What do you do that you enjoy? What's, what do you do good? And then I want you to write underneath it how God could use you with that talent. Now it's up to you whether you want to hand it to one of the pastors and say, you know what, I know it's not going to be convenient, Pastor Kylie or Pastor Cordell, but I got a talent. And I believe God wants me to use it. Even if it's not convenient. Now I'm not saying that you need to be involved in everything. Okay, let me be perfectly clear. But what I am saying is be involved in something. Something. You may say, well, I'm not getting paid for this. So it's not a high priority. Let me tell you something, and we sang about it this morning. The price that was paid for you, you could not pay back. With all the hours that you can put in, you can never pay back that price. Your check has already been paid, and heaven is your retirement plan. Because down here, you're still working no matter how old you are. We have people that have been in here in this church for years, elders in the church. I want to thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you've invested in the church. But how convenient that this morning my, my bread was in Deuteronomy 18. And those of you that are elders in the church, I would strongly encourage you to read that. Because it talks about how you don't have a retirement plan. You don't have an inheritance down here. Your inheritance is up there. See, we need your time. We need your wisdom. We need you to teach Bible studies and share the knowledge that you have. You can retire from your job, but you don't retire from your ministry. You know, Pastor Kylie <clears throat> hit on this a couple weeks ago about being proactive. And I, I totally agree with that. We need to be a proactive church. We have plenty of people that are reactive. You know the problem with reactive? Reactive wears off. Situation ends, you don't have to react. Let me give you a very good example. September 11th. Many years ago, December 7th. Something occurred, but for most of us in this generation, 9-11, man, people were flooding into churches. People wanted to seek God. It's reactive. And that's okay. But if your, if your church is built on being reactive, it won't last. We need to be proactive. If we're proactive as Christians, it will not get old. When you're involved in any way, shape, or form, it's important and it's valuable. You have ownership, you're part of the body, you're part of the team. In my church, everything works together as a team. If you vacuum the floors the night before, if you scrub the toilets, if you've entered 
songs into the, into the computer. If you've helped a person find a seat or shake someone's hand as they enter into this place, you're involved in a process of that person receiving the Holy Ghost and you're just as involved as the person that's praying with them because you're part of the team. You're part of the body. Everybody's heard of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. In the church, this needs to be 100%. Because really, there's no excuse. If we're just being really blunt this morning, there's no excuse. First of all, that you can't be part of this body. Is as I said in the, very, in the very first part of this message, God has called you here for a purpose. You can be a part of this body, and you can be a proactive part of this body. I need you to ask yourself today, what am I doing? Am I burying my talent, or am I doing what God has asked me to do? When, when you were saved, many of you were at a point that you didn't know what to do. You tried other things, you had tried your own way. Finally, you said, just like they did on the day of Pentecost, what must I do to be saved? I need help. I'll do whatever I need to do. You remember that moment? See, being saved is not an event, folks. It's a lifestyle. And when you look at it, ask yourself, just like I've had to ask myself plenty of times in preparing this message, what am I doing? Is this what God wants me to do? Can I do more? Even if it's not convenient. So you've been given a chance to do something amazing. Just like those people that came over to a land of opportunity, this is your opportunity to figure out how God wants to use you. You have an opportunity to make a huge difference. Not just to change your life, but to change lives of people around you. So let me give you a, uh, a practical analogy. Um, any of you, by chance, watch football occasionally? Okay, some of you may get this. The rest of you, maybe watch a game sometime. There is something that occurs with so many teams, and if you watch sports at all, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. There is this thing called prevent defense. And let me tell you what prevent defense helps you to do. It prevents you from winning. In most cases, when you watch people play not to lose, they will typically lose. I, I happened upon this last night. I watched a clip. Um, somebody had posted it. There were two high schools playing football in Minnesota. And there was one minute and 47 seconds left. Team was down by, I believe it was 18 points. They scored a touchdown. Improbable. So now they're only down 11 points. They have an onside kick. 
They recovered the onside kick. The next play, the other team is playing a prevent defense. They throw a goal route to the wide receiver on the left side, catches the ball, touchdown. 47 seconds left. They kick another onside kick. They recover it again with 47 seconds left in this game. So did the team change its defense? No. Three safeties deep. Drop, no pass rush. All that garbage you see the Packers do on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, rush three and pray that they don't complete it. And wouldn't you know it, the guy throws a seam route, which is where they run down the middle of the field, and he hits the guy on the one-yard line. They get up with seven seconds left. Throw a screen pass to the back out of the, out of the backfield. He scores the touchdown. They win the game. Prevent defense. We cannot play prevent defense. You cannot sit in this church and pray to God that you don't lose your salvation and not reach out to other people because you're afraid that you're going to at some point. We have to be proactive. We cannot sit in church and pray that, oh God, please save me and only me. I'm not concerned about anybody else, but I want to make sure that I don't lose my spot in this pew and I want to make sure I don't lose my golden ticket to heaven. We cannot do that. That's not why we're here. We're supposed to be proactive. We're supposed to be out in the communities. We're supposed to be talking to coworkers. We're supposed to be reaching out to people. We're supposed to be proactive. What is the Great Commission? It's not, hey, find yourself a comfy spot and hopefully nothing bad happens to you. Good luck with that one. And I know it's not convenient. Believe me. You know, maybe the reason that I'm, I got chosen to speak this one is, you know, I can tell you from experience that uh, we, you know, we have a blended family. And I am, I'm very proud of, of uh, the efforts that we've continued to, to make. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that... Um, you know, there's, there's been good things instilled. Now, God gets, to, God gets to work on all the individual stuff. But let me tell you something. There's, there's a couple things that we've had to learn along the way, too. Um, our, kids, our kids, like most of them like sports. They can do other things. They can have other hobbies. Um, let me give you an example. Those of you that follow me on Facebook know that Delena is very competitive at gymnastics. And I'm not doing this to pump her up, but there is, a, there is a certain level that she's aspiring to reach. And this year, she had to compete in a meet um, to qualify to move up a level. And that meet was on a Sunday. And she went to that meet, and then her and her mom talked with the director of the gym that she goes to and let her know that in the future, if there are meets where she is supposed to compete on a Sunday, we will not be attending. And we had that conversation. Now, I can tell you, that's not convenient. My daughter loves to compete. But she's part of the YMCA. 
Now, how far has that fallen? Young Men's Christian Association having events on a Sunday, pulling you out of church. This is a societal thing. But I don't know when God became so low on the priority list. And it's easy to look at people. I can tell you that we're, we can be very good at critiquing people. But it's here too. You know, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. How are you going to let your light shine? Colossians 3, through 24 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I know it's not convenient. It's not convenient to be here all the time. It's not convenient to invite somebody over to your house and have to clean up and and make a meal and, and do those types of things. But I'll tell you what, we do have the time to do it, but we choose to do other things. Let me give you an example, um, and, and I don't want to put them on the spot, but, so I won't, but I, I don't know how many, how many young people we had um, this morning in, in youth. Um, I don't know how many we've got going for youth congress or how many we typically have on a Wednesday night. I, I don't. And, and I know that kids don't like to get up on Sunday morning. Adults don't like to get up on Sunday morning. But I'm, I'm amazed that a lot of these kids have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to school, to get on the bus. I guarantee you they don't want to go there either. But what do you do? Get up. Get yourself ready. Because you're going to miss the bus. And if you miss the bus, you're going to be in trouble. You know, a good way to sell it is I'm going to let you sleep an extra two hours on Sunday morning and we're going to make sure you're there at nine o'clock to be part of the youth group so that I can sit in the adult Sunday school class and be ministered to. Because I know most of you, you guys don't normally get up at eight o'clock during the week. I know I don't. I know a lot of you get up way earlier. I couldn't believe it, Brother, Brother Hemingway, and, and I have no, no problem with this because I know that their family's always here. Brother Hemingway um, did my roof one week, actually one day. It was phenomenal. And we, you know, he had set a time to be there. And I was like, all right, great. I got up a little early. He was early. I appreciated that. Because, you know what? I, I mean, he could have slept in on a Saturday morning, but he had a job to do. He had a responsibility. You know what? He was there, and he was there early. This job is so much more important than that thing you do five or six days a week. 
but because it's not convenient, it's become much, a much lower priority for us. And it's become a low priority for society. So who's going to show them that it's a priority? That's on us. It's not easy. But it's necessary. I think I made my point. Would you stand with me this morning? So today is your opportunity. What are you going to do with it? This position comes with responsibility. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So we're supposed to obey, right? Can all agree on that? Micah chapter 6, verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I'm, I'm willing to give all this to be saved. But obedience is greater than sacrifice. So he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. These are all actions, folks. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. We need to have action to take advantage of the opportunity to impact the world around us. We have to be proactive. We have to make this a priority in our lives. It needs to speak to those around us that they know, you know what? I'm not even gonna invite them over for the Packer game on Sunday morning because I know that they're gonna be in church. I'm not gonna even invite them to that because I know that they're gonna be in church. That needs to be our testimony to those around us. But then we need to be proactive. Hey, you know what? I've got a place to be for pregame. Why don't you come over to my house for the game? But before that, why don't we go to the pregame and spend some time with the priority in my life? Now, this altar is a place of repentance. It's also a place of recommitment. Now, there's a lot of us, myself included, that need to up our game. And there's no better time than today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. I thank you for conviction, Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that you would use us, that we would humble ourselves before you, Lord, and allow you to use us as you would like to use us. I pray, Lord God, that you'd open doors, that opportunity would present itself for us to walk through, to be proactive, Lord Jesus, to make you the number one priority in our life. To be ministers, Lord Jesus, in this church and in our communities, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would use us for your glory and for your honor. So that when we come before you, we hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. 
We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.